Welcome to Future Spectives, the Locarno Film Festival podcast presented by UBS. I'm your host, Gabby Sanderson, and I'm here to talk with international film stars, upcoming talent, and industry game changers. Over the Future Perspective series, you will discover secret stories and inspiring perspectives on the future of cinema, culture, and society. So let's begin. This is Future Perspectives. Welcome to the Future Perspectives podcast, Locarno's Deputy COO and Chief Innovation Officer, Simona Gamba. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's go back to 2004 when you were the director of the casting department for MTV. Was that in Italy? Yes, it was. It was MTV Europe, but uh-huh. the headquarter mm-hmm. was in Italy for most of the production at the time. So right. I was working on specifically Italy and sometimes other uh, programs in other countries as well. Very cool. I worked a little for MTV in the UK and actually in Europe, Ibiza. And I had a great time. I was interviewing musicians at festivals. So I know that the atmosphere of MTV, especially during that time, was super fun, right? It was super fun. And it reminds me of the atmosphere that we have here at the festival sometimes because people are young. Mm-hmm. Our staff is very young and they like to experiment and yeah. make mistakes and learn and do pilot projects. So I, I think that's very cool. Yeah. Being the director of casting... That's not a small job. And for many presenters, being on MTV is the absolute dream. Did you have to screen test so many people? Yeah, I really did. <laughs> I, I don't know how many people I saw, but uh, I think I should probably try to do an estimation one time. But we were seeing people from, you know, from the VJs yep. or aspiring VJs to just general audience that would like to raise their hands and talk and interact with us during any type of program. So from one, from the most simple to the hardest job, and we screened everybody on that. Right. And you're sort of catering to a certain demographic, the MTV viewer, and then also the representation on screen. What were you looking for? We were looking for spontaneous, young, um, happy, deep people at the time and uh, so we usually never looked for them in uh, through agencies but it was mostly uh, trying to discover talent in other surrounding areas like festivals music festivals or Mm -hmm. newspapers uh, journalists uh, music critics people like that that would be maybe um, closer to our world and not be overstructured in a a TV sort of way because in Italy especially uh, the style of presenters in the main uh, channels on TV was usually very, how would you say? Uh, serious? Serious or f- almost fake in a way. Like oh. we just needed somebody mm. to speak spontaneously and mm. that was missing at the time. So, mm. And certainly in yeah. the UK working at MTV is a launch pad f- for yeah. people's careers, not just in front of the screen, but those that work behind it as well. And that was the same for you, I assume. Yes, for me and for the people I screened, so and for my colleagues as well. So most of them now are covering managerial jobs um, in various TV companies or media companies, streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. And the um, VJs ended up also working in other channels or in other 
media projects as well. So yes, it, it did foster a, a lot of talent. And I guess this is something that we're also looking at here. here. Yes. Yeah, in Locarno. Yeah, mm. same thing. The same thing happened with the staff here in Locarno, with the directors here in Locarno and with the talent coming here. So I think we have the same type of launch pad, just in a different area nice. and industry. I love that. You've got a master's degree in economics and social sciences. How did you go from this and get your foot in the door at MTV? That was pretty crazy, actually. I just sent one resume in my life at, at the time, and it was at MTV. And I said, I really want to go there. I want to work there. So I just sent one. And it was one week after I graduated. Wow. And they called me after one week from sending it. And I was actually in my, on my scooter next to the studios of MTV. So I said, if you want to, I'm here now. I can come and just do a... <laughs> and so I just went and it was very spontaneous and they were very nice. And I was badly dressed, but it was just great because they were too. So it was perfect. <laughs> and it just happened like that. And after one week, they called me and they said, hey, do you want to join the team? And I remember I wasn't looking for a casting department type of job. I was looking for anything. Mm -hmm. But they asked me, are you interested in casting? And of course, I said, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I was actually working at the time also in uh, the organization of events in Milan, uh, especially concerts for emerging bands. So they thought that, oh, that's another area where we actually looked for p cool people nice and so i think they wanted somebody with a big network in milan and i did i had many friends many musicians many creative people and that helped and the rest as they say is history exactly so you stayed at mtv until 2010 and then you went freelance as a professional and consultant in the audiovisual industry specializing in communication collaborating with major european brands startups and information blogs Exactly. Yeah, I, I guess what helped me here was uh, my lateral thinking. I really like to pick up on different things, different elements and put them together. And I had this business major and I have a very analytical mind, I would say. I like creativity, but I also like putting it in boxes and um, mm -hmm. arranging it and tidying mm -hmm. it up. And so this helped me uh, while working in many projects. I started with casting. But then more and more people started calling me for um, advice on things and on campaigns, on whatever. Yeah. And that helped me get into various doors. Yeah. And I think my network helped too. And I just ended up working on many, many different projects mm. and just being able to face them and understand them mm. and help somehow. Collaborating with major brands, immersing them and their story into culture and society, just like with film storytelling and how that story is communicated has to be at the heart of the project. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. And yeah. I think there's always a key message that needs to be found, but first of all, found inside of whoever is trying to give out that message. And it mm. has to be deep and it has to connect. Mm. Are there any projects and brands in particular that you really enjoyed working with and that you're pleased on the impact that it, your work created as a result? Well, I think MTV is the first one that I actually really adored and it raised the bar and the standards right. for me. So it was very hard afterwards to find other brands that could be similar. 
Then MTV changed, of course. It changed yeah. when YouTube arrived and the whole yeah. um, situation changed uh, from the media consumption point of view. Mm. But I still think that what they did at the beginning with music and with bringing people together and, and raising a dream mm. was uh, great. And they did it in many, many different ways. And they kept doing it also when social media arrived. They reinvented up to a certain point. And then I think it became challenging for right. them as well. Yeah. Because music is hard in, in this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Since 2014, you've been working on digital transformation projects as the strategy director for Sketching, a strategic design studio focusing on process optimization, service models, story strategies, and data analysis. I confess, I don't know what process optimization is, so I'd love you to teach me yeah well I can <laughs> I can I can do that um, maybe I can start with something simple like if you use a very simple device or a very simple app and you just have a few clicks there is a big process behind it in designing simplicity uh -huh. and this means that companies need to actually change everything inside probably processes tools databases integrations i i won't go into the nerdy stuff but anyway that's what happens behind yeah i, I started doing this in mtv when we had the database of all the people we were seeing and I started designing with the IT team a big database system for the various MTVs in Europe. Mm. And from that, I learned how important it is. And then it, I just kept it going on until I ended up at uh, Sketchin. And that's what we did. Our mission was um, start from the user, understand the user needs, yeah. and then right uh, i simplify. think i think as amazon as a big example of that in terms of like they completely reworked their model so it was so easy to click to buy it wasn't apparently in the early stages but as soon as they did that and there wasn't so many steps along the way then they became the giant that they are <laughs> exactly that's that's the key and we have many, when I worked in Sketchin, we had many, many success stories on this of, you know, uh, audiences increasing on purchases happening faster. Mm. But especially uh, what I liked about uh, the projects there were, was uh, working in different areas, different industries. So you, you could go from insurance companies to banks to media companies, and that was great. Mm, I'm sensing that you're very in demand maybe i don't i'm not <laughs> sure i'm getting old too <laughs> the so humble who answer. knows <laughs> the humble answer you work across digital physical and virtual projects which surely put you in very good stead for when you came to work at locarno exactly because this is the perfect example of uh user experience you start your experience before the festival thinking hmm and you raise your expectations on what you're going to see where you're going to stay and who you're going to meet and then you arrive in locarno so then you have that type of experience yeah, which and then goes you have beyond the, exactly <laughs> any expectation <laughs> speaking from a, the perspective of it being my first year in locarno did you like it <gasps> I mean, words can't even express how much I, I feel. Now I've spent some time here, I just feel like it's my home. I feel very at home. Come um, and move here. 
<laughs> I might actually. It's a I very might. nice city, yeah, actually. Yeah, and you know, just to enjoy the incredible landscape and go in the most beautiful lake to to swim. There's that side of it, and then how it turns into a film town in August. It's just magical, and then the Piazza Grande. I mean, I could go on and on, but it's this is about you. <laughs> how did you end up working at the Locarno Film Festival? I sent a resume. That's that's my fourth resume I sent in my life uh, to Locarno, I think, probably Your eight fourth. years ago. My fourth, yeah. And I sent it to the managing director. He was at the time deputy COO, so he was actually covering my role. And he said, no, you're overqualified at the moment, but we are working on it. We will need innovation. And that was it. It's and coming. then he called me after four years. Oh, wow. And that was a surprise for me. And he just said, if you want to come here and work for us, uh, we'd like to um, build the digital strategy of the future. But actually, no, he, the, the vision of the future, which isn't digital. It's physical, digital. It's a it's, bit everywhere. Right. And we're going to go into that. But I want to ask you about the virtual edition of Locarno mm -hmm. in 2020. I mean, you really had your work cut out for you. And I would assume, seeing the huge production that Locarno Film Festival is, you must have been working on an actual physical live festival and then the world goes into lockdown and everything has to change. Did you at first think, oh, we're just going to have to cancel and not have a presence? Or did you always go, no, we have to do something? Well, we did something even more complex than that. <laughs> oh, because, please tell. <laughs> well, when I started, first of all, I didn't know much about the festival. I, I did know the festival because I came here every summer as, a, as the audience, mm. but I didn't know the machine behind it. And I remember Marco Solari, our president, said, it will take you three years to understand the festival. And I thought, <laughs> wow, that's a lot. So when I arrived in September 2019, I started working on the festival, not really understanding. I was basically picking up stuff and information. Mm -hmm. And at one point, COVID strikes and we had to organize four festivals because we, we worked with scenarios. We thought, OK, it, maybe we'll do the physical event. So oh, let's keep doing wow. that. Maybe we'll do a almost totally physical event with some digital, maybe... We'll oh, do a digital event me. with some physical or maybe not, or five scenarios, actually. There was also the cancellation, but that was our last resort. Mm -hmm. So at that point, we just worked with four festivals until, mm, I think, May or June. And that's where we said, OK, let's do uh, mainly digital. We actually had some screenings uh, here, but not in Piazza Grande, mm. uh, but it was very local um, and not obviously for the international audience or the industry. And then taking that and putting it online and then giving it justice, because, I mean, a lot with the filmmakers, they want their project shown on a big screen. Um, was that a challenge? It was a challenge yeah. because many, um, many films didn't want to be online. Some did. It was easier for short films because that's they work with a different logic, mm. but it was very hard. And also we needed to find the right platform, ensure that uh, security was, you know, anti-piracy systems were put in place. And we needed a, a specific new website because our website was legacy, it was old. 
So we needed to change it. Our plan was to change it in one year, a year and a half, but we had to do it in two months. <laughs> so that was hard. And then we had to add the streaming platform in order to host the films that actually were in competition. Wow. I bet so many people were looking to you at this point, knowing your like background and going, what do we do? Exactly. Th at that point, at first I thought I'm going to be useless for at least three years because Marco Solari told me this. <laughs> uh, he didn't, but that's what I uh, picked up on that. And then at one point it started being that I was the main person people would talk to on any type of project that had to do with digital distribution of content, platforms, new suppliers, understanding digital rights management, blah, 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 all, all of that. Well, Alicia, I mean, you had a very good distraction <laughs> while most people were, you know, twiddling their thumbs at home, waiting to be let out again. Yes, and, and actually some of the staff, you know, the, the one that's more active with the logistics, said, oh, 2020 was a great year for just relaxing and putting things together for the next editions yeah. and cleaning up and tidying up everything. Yeah. And for me, it was, it was the hardest hell, time. probably. Yeah. But but yeah. it was very interesting. Very I, I can relate to that because I was working for Apple Music at the time and we built a global radio station during the pandemic. It was not supposed to be during the pandemic, but we had to make everything remote and, and, and build it remotely. And I've never worked so hard in my life. <laughs> so I can relate to that. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Connectivity, storytelling and a passion for arts, culture and film is the very DNA of the Locarno Film Festival. Not just with the filmmakers, though, with the, the audience, too. So what was the reception like of the digital edition of Locarno? I think it was uh, there was a lot of curiosity. We actually had a good audience base, uh, considering it was in August with nobody here, basically. Mm. Yeah, and especially I think it's because also we introduced the Films After Tomorrow, which is an initiative that we did on purpose for those films that were interrupted for okay. COVID reasons. Mm. So the prizes, actually the pardos, didn't go to films that were finished, but also to films that uh, needed financing. So they were maybe in the post-production phase or right, in a specific right. phase. And these di directors could choose um, a film from the history of Locarno to be shown. So we actually screened online the films from the history of Locarno, but chosen from the directors that were awarded with... Um, ah, turning lemons yes. into lemonade. Exactly, that's what we did. We just started being creative, thinking, okay, if we can't ha have movies in video on demand, not not many of them, then how can we create content that can be relevant anyway and help mm -hmm. our communities as well? And also help the audience with media literacy because that's also our main focus, mm. especially the younger audiences. Well, to the present, we're yeah. in 2022. The Locarno Film Festival is back to being a live event. Did working on the digital event and the reaction that followed inspire the festival's ambition to expand the digital engagement of Locarno beyond what takes place in August? I mean, from what you've told me, this has been something that has been going on longer. Yes. But has this really kind of motivated you guys to be like, right? I think it gave us a confirmation that Locarno is a platform that is mainly physical. I mean, things happen here, people like being together, meeting, 
and just joining. But at the same time, these people have lives mm -hmm. and businesses, and especially from the media industry or uh, young talent creating films. And so the support we can give to, to these people is throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And this was a confirmation because the vision was already there. Mm. Well, this expansion, as you said, aims to offer professionals, creatives and filmmakers year-round assistance and leadership. Locarno is already a connected community that extends beyond time and place, thanks to the internet. So the festival has devised a programme of year-round pilot projects, some of which are still being explored, some of which are at the fundraising stage, others are well-established. There's 19 projects, is I, that right? I think there are 24 now, actually. Oh, goodness me, 24 well, projects. Well, because some of them are happening now, right now. at the time. So we, we <laughs> right. still didn't call them pilot projects because we were thinking, let's see if they work. Wow. Uh, so yeah, it's it's great. I think our idea was to not think too big and um, act too big as well, because that means working a lot for something that might not work. Mm -hmm. But uh, for us, it was better to just add projects, initiatives, content in specific places or mm -hmm. time frames. Um, and just to see how the audience or the industry would react. And it's actually going very well. So mm. one example is podcasts It's uh, or the 24-hour talk uh, that's oh, happening. on Twitch. The future of attention. The future of attention, yes. thank you. And that, for example, brings together artists, um, sociologists, um, ac academia, filmmakers. So it was great to have these 24 guests talking about future of attention from various perspectives on right. Twitch and we thought mm, maybe nobody will see it on Twitch or maybe yes let's try it and see what happens right and if you you can still watch it now because it lives on demand exactly fantastic exactly. so you mentioned about this very project the future perspectives podcast and then the Twitch project we obviously can't talk about 24 <laughs> <laughs> but maybe could you pick another example you could share of a project that is living on past the festival event itself actually can I give two examples oh, no no I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> yes please one is still about content and it's also about uh, opening up to new countries so we usually show uh, the Pardi di Domani, so short films from mm. young talent, and it's shown here in Locarno. And sometimes these short films don't have a circuit afterwards. So what we do is then show them again the, in February for the whole month on uh, Vimeo or on YouTube or on our platforms, depending oh, okay. on the year. So that's experimentation as well. Cool. And this helps to reach other countries. And it, it's actually helping because we also have prizes and a, a voting system. Mm. So we can finance the new projects of these young artists. I love how much the Locarno Film Festival nurtures the next generation of talent. It's really cool. Yeah, we, we like putting together things. And the other one is uh, the professorship that we're doing with uh, the Università della Svizzera Italiana. So here we have Kevin Billy. Um, a professor yeah. really researching on the future of the festival, of film, of media consumption. And what he did was bring, for example, with his network, the whole 24-hour talk format. Mm -hmm. And also Hito Style, an exhibition here. So all of this is helping create also op opening the minds of people, not only on cinema, but it's cinema and art. Right. 
Very cool. Yeah. Digital art, once called computer art or new media art, refers to art made using software, computers or other electronic devices. Digital art has the potential to excite, engage and reach more people than ever before. More businesses, public art installations and art collectors are looking towards the digital as their preferred art choice. An exciting opportunity, but it's also challenging for artists, especially those who prefer more traditional methods. Would you like to see more digital art in Locarno? Because I've noticed that there are some projects underway. And yes. when we're looking at the future and innovation, I feel that is where it might be going. Yeah, because um, art is uh, the most ancient form of expression. So touching it through various um, means is, is important. And what we would like to do is not only open up to seeing it mm -hmm. and understanding it and maybe also connecting it to cinema, we also would like to create um, know-how on this for the people who actually produce it. So with Locarno Pro, with the base camp, for example, another mm -hmm. artist residency where we actually experiment a lot. That's where we want to work in creating that type of vision. And then people can say, I don't care about it, but at least we can give the right tools to understand it or to see it or yeah. to produce it. Yeah. yeah, I've been to base camp and very cool. Yeah, and especially talking about blockchain or NFTs, for example, it might, some people might say, I don't care about them. But still, at least we're talking about them and whoever wants to understand and maybe integrate these subjects in their life, in their business, then mm. they can. That's mm. what we want to do. In your work as Chief Innovation Officer, and you've demonstrated through your projects a lot of your visions and, and how that works strategically. But on the kind of day to day, what does your job look like? <laughs> That's a very good question. I think, uh, ooh, it's hard. I work, I would say, in three different areas. So one is processes, infrastructure, servers. I won't go into that, but anyway, that's mm. a big part of it. Then I work on the vision. So the vision, as I was saying, Locarno 365. So mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. year round means understanding what type of service model can we offer people mm -hmm. is it content is it films is it critique on films is it curation mm -hmm. do we exist here in locarno or through partners etc and then there's another part uh, which is more connected to how we can connect people together so what can we do for our communities um, it's like a neuronal network, I would say. You have many different neurons and they're all doing things. So you right. have the base camp, you have uh, Professor Kevin Billy, you have uh, a director coming by, uh, a partner, maybe a technological partner it could be. How can we put these four things together to create magic, yeah. like a brain? You know, the brain connects neurons and that's where you get the extra added value. So I think these are the three main areas I'm working on and they need to be very interconnected mm. because if you think about I don't know I'm, I'm inventing but uh, let's do a new platform then you need servers you need people to work on them you need a project you need content you need many many different things so right. it has to do also with the stuff you need yeah so this is all one big melting pot of things that you need to be doing all together
Yeah, I mean, when we talk about innovation, I can't help but think about even the title of this podcast, which is Future Spective. So it's reflecting on the past to look at the future and kind of see where we're going there. And obviously that is foundational when we're talking about innovation. So you have a background in economics and I know sustainability is a huge priority for the Locarno Film Festival. What is the festival doing to help us look after the environment? Well, we started at least 10 years ago, I would say, but maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, uh, a long time ago, starting with recycling and bringing sustainability uh, also in um, uh, transportation. So we have buses, eco buses, e-bikes. We have a partner that actually is um, providing e-bikes for us as well. And all of us travel just by train or, of course, if we are overseas, we use a, a... a plane, but mm. we, we have bikes and I haven't used my car in, I think, two years as well. So this is something that we really feel inside. And at the same time, we started also working on the sustainability report. And I think we're the first f- festival in the world to do this. So we have a report based on um, how we can compensate CO2 um, emissions, what we're doing as initiatives, how we're trying to innovate, where we're headed towards the future. And of course, this also has to do with servers, technology. We try as much as we can to compensate CO2 and to find providers that care about uh, the environment. But this is from, let's say, the organizational or the experience perspective. So if you're here in Locarno, you recycle, mm-hmm. uh, you're sustainable, or uh, we have the infrastructures that, that compensate. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are also working on content. And speaking of storytelling, we'd like to promote the message of sustainability yeah. and environmental issues uh, through storytelling, through film, and through everything that revolves around films. So backstage interviews, um, special documentaries on how the film has been made. Mm. Yeah, and this is done with the Pardo Verde that we introduced this year. That's one of the other projects, the pilot projects. Mm. So the Pardo Verde is for a film that was uh, in Locarno and that is awarded and that has sustainability issues um, in the story. And the other one is the Green Film Fund. And that's where we're funding um, films that are in the making. And then that can be shown uh, either here in Locarno or Mm. in other festival circuits, or why not even not in festival circuits? Yeah, I mean, you're saying such a great example for festivals generally in in terms of what you're doing. It's it's amazing stuff. And And I hope as well, because I think... If you're if you're conscious and you are environmentally friendly, then you you do your best. But then, through the medium of film and cinema, telling the story in this way that's not just kind of throwing it at people because people are hearing it a lot now, aren't they? And then there are those that just they don't really care enough, like they should. And hopefully, through the message of media and and film and art, that might persuade perceptions that need to be persuaded. Exactly. And especially if you work with partners, we know partners care about um, being sustainable for various reasons, but how can we make it valuable for uh, the audience? That's important yeah. Yeah. because it really needs to be seen as something 
that is in our DNA and not something that we're doing just for the sake of doing it because everybody's doing it. That's not what we want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Final question, and thank you so much for such a great conversation. What are your hopes and dreams for the future of this very special festival? I really want the festival to keep being a platform for people to meet and discuss about the future, about uh, film, of course, about everything that is related and that can preserve uh, this art form because the future of attention uh, mm -hmm. is going to be difficult. It's more and more fragmented. It goes through the huge screen in Piazza Grande to a very small screen mm -hmm. uh, with our smartphones. And now it's becoming vertical as well and not horizontal with TikTok. And this is um, creating big challenges. So I really want the festival to be there and to be the connecting point of people, ideas, and new visions. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Simona Gamba, thank you so much. Thank you very There's much. Only one thing left to do. Let's roll your closing credits. Okay, let's do this. What movie have you watched most in your life and why? Amadeus by Milos Forman. I loved it. I love music. I mean, I'm a musician as well. Oh, so, nice. yes. What do you play? The violin. Wow. Yes. Oh, every day is a school day. <laughs> if you could have the Piazza Grande to yourself and your friends, what movie would you like to watch on the ginormous screen? I would probably watch Ladri di Biciclette, Bicycle Thieves. It's a movie from post-World War II about Rome, a poor Rome that's rebuilding. Mm. And yeah, I would probably watch that one. You're directing a movie about your life. What would the opening and closing scenes look like? Uh, I would say probably something regarding me exiting a comfort zone and entering in a new stage. Uh, because my sister said once that my comfort zone is not being in a comfort zone. So every yeah. once in a while I need to change. Right. So it would be a change at the beginning and then a change at the end with a mysterious um, follow-up. <laughs> Cliffhanger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you could create a new category of award at the Locarno Film Festival, what would it be and who would you give it to? I think things related to gender, mm. absolutely, because there is not enough information on this. Uh, people still don't know much about it. So diversity, inclusion, I think all of this needs to be addressed more. And yeah, I would yeah. say that. And who would I award it to? I have no idea. Somebody new that is probably communicating new ways of seeing and perceiving gender and diversity. Yeah, oh, that's a really good one. I think ALOC would be a great one, but yes, if you don't know, go check out ALOC okay. online. Is today's art shaping society as it should? That's a very good question. Uh, in a way, yes, I think. I'm probably more keen in, in the old school art it is interesting seeing how it's evolving. So there are some places where art can be really deep, I think, and can um, you can relate to it. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's becoming more and more fragmented and hard to find meaningful things unless you really are connected to specific networks 
and specific uh, people or media that can actually help you connect to new art. Mm. What's the biggest challenge today for cinema and culture? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is just uh, capturing people and keeping them. I think it's providing a message in whatever form so that you can actually touch people. Mm. I think that's the biggest thing that uh, cinema and art can do mm. to society. Mm. They've always done this. So, and storytelling is always going to be there. I mean, humans need storytelling. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest, I think, form of legacy that society has had in the past and will have in the future. We just need to understand what form it will take. Yeah. What are your hopes for the future of film festivals? to keep people connected and um, thinking and discussing and discovering. And last one, as the Locarno Film Festival is all about freedom, do you feel free? Yes, I do. Yeah, Locarno is great for this, especially artistically. Whatever we are showing, showcasing, comes from a free thought. We don't have anybody influencing us, especially on the artistic side. And I feel free as a person because I feel like I'm growing, learning, discovering more and more. And this is giving me new tools to go on in life. Thank you again. I've been so fascinated by your story. It's it's great. You thank <laughs> you really very cool. much. You too. And <laughs> thank you. You're 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 cool. You're cool. You're cool. No, you're thank you for listening to Future Perspectives, the Locarno Film Festival podcast presented by UBS. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support Future Perspectives with your review and subscribe on all the major podcast platforms. This series is created and produced by Brand Audio Media.